He is the greatest commentator in combat sports, period. We flew him all the way from Boca Raton, Florida. It's John Anik on today's Food Truck Diaries, and I'm feeding him bagels. Let's go. Mr. John Anik, long time coming, brother. So great to be out here. We've been planning this for a couple years. Finally, in the belly of the beast in Calabasas. Good to be with you, man. Good to see you, man. You're looking pretty fly. Well, thank you, buddy. I, uh, I dressed up for you. Black is pretty slimming, so I figured I would wear black head to toe. We got the one more sleep on the Mark Russell bomber oh, jacket. Oh, wow. And, uh, you, know, you got your own jacket going? We filed for the trademark. Doesn't look like we're going to get it, though. It's tough to get. That's like one more sleep. That's like uh, LeBron trying to trademark uh, uh, Taco Friday. Right. Remember right. that? When yeah. he's trying to do that? Everyone's like, ah, I don't think so, dude. And he also got the, the dope kicks on, the got Paul the Rodriguez. Well, we knew we had to bring it. We had to bring it with the kicks if we were going to show up here. So uh, I wish I knew you were going to rock those. I wore my lower uh, Rodriguez dunks. Yeah. Those are fire, my man. I don't think I'm like hip enough to be wearing these shoes, oh, but you just, I'm almost 45 years old. I'm just going to fucking fake it. You might, I besides, it. I mean, I feel like Sugar Sean O'Malley might have dressed better than me on this show, but you're right up there. Well, you're you, top buddy. three, well, dude. thank you, man. You're top three. We've been trying to get you on the show for a hot second. You're the busiest man in mixed martial arts. You, you, hold on. You're the busiest man in combat sports. I don't think people realize your schedule. Like, I know a little bit how the sausage is made in the UFC. Huh. And when I hear they're going to Perth yeah. or wherever, Abu Dhabi, and yeah. you're on the marquee and you got to do the commentary, I'm like, I always think, man, poor John Anik. Well, I mean, it's certainly a labor of love, but it's a fucking lot. Like, I called, the last time I did a major college football game was 2015. And it's, dude, you blink, it's halftime, you get a 12-minute break, and then you go home. It's like door-to-door -door four hours yeah. versus 10 hours. Good gig. So I probably do about 25 of the 41 shows a year that we do. But, you know, Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby giving us, you know, 30 fighters doesn't make things easy. You know, like, <laughs> right. I can't even profess to you when I have an 11-fight card, 22 fights versus 15. If you think about those eight fighters. It's a know, lot. Man. It's a lot. But uh, I have a pretty good system right now. It's the devil I know. Like, if I had to all of a sudden go do a full 17-week NFL schedule right now, I don't know that devil. So at least this is the beast that I know. But it's a fucking lot. But if you could do this beast, I feel like you could do any beast. Like the NFL beast, obviously, obviously different animal. You could, I feel like, do that pretty easily. I also think at this point you're irreplaceable. You're, you've become, like, there's a few people in the UFC that you just can't replace. It's you, Rogan, clearly Dana White. Like, you just can't. There's three guys. There's three staples of the sport. You just can't do anything with it. Well, that means a lot coming from you. You know, I well, felt like when Burt Watson left and when Stitch Duran left, you know, somebody's always walking through that door. You know, I think Bruce Buffer's probably more irreplaceable than me. But I appreciate you saying that because I feel like I was sort of developed the right way. I worked basically for five years on all the small shows. I've been to Brazil 27 times, so I got a real good depth of knowledge for like the bottom half of the roster. And then when they called my number for the title fights in 2017, I was I was ready. So. Yeah, so you started, what, was it Fuel back yeah, then? Yeah, Fuel TV and yeah. FX. And my first call was January of 2012, and then uh, in 17, I started doing the pay-per-views. And you started, you know, with, with the kind of the undercard guys, and by the time you were at the higher level of the main card, all those guys kind of graduated with yeah. you. So it was like a perfect Yeah, it timing. was cool. Khabib Nurmagomedov made his UFC debut the same night I was on the cans for the first time in Nashville, Coincidence? Tennessee. I so don't think so. Cool. Two greats. But, you know, I didn't grow up a martial artist. Like, I've taken eight jiu-jitsu classes in my life, and I fucking hated every minute of it. You know what I mean? So for me, yes, I, I feel like I could 
take a bong hit, drink a six pack, and call a football game. Whereas with this, it's a different challenge for me now. I feel like I'm much more of a mixed martial arts head and expert now than I was in 2011. But 100%. football, baseball, basketball, those are the sports that, that come easiest to me for sure. I mean, especially growing up in Massachusetts. I mean, being a Patriots fan, obviously Red Sox fan, you got Bruins, Celtics. Yeah. So it's like sports run deep there. But especially when you were coming up, because you're how old? 44. Yeah, so, I mean, UFC, MMA wasn't even a thing. Yeah. So it's like, I think most people are at that level. No one grew up being like, yeah, UFC is my thing. Kids now, right, but right. at our age, there's nobody, no. anybody who tells you that's full of shit. Right. I remember watching UFC 1 in 1993, and then I didn't watch again until UFC 50 in yeah. like 2004. Yeah. We launched MMA Live in 2008. But for me, the turning point really... I was hosting a boxing show, and in 2007, Gary Shaw, who started Elite XC, the longtime sure. boxing promoter, he invited all this boxing media to come to Tunica, Mississippi to cover that first Elite XC show, Henzo Gracie and Frank Shamrock in the main event. And at that time in my life, I'm like defending boxing against this MMA avalanche, like didn't like the grappling, didn't like the wrestling. Hilarious. And then I watched this MMA show in Tunica, Mississippi, and I was like, with respect to the NFL, this might be the greatest sport in the world, you know? So my gear started to churn that night in Tunica, Mississippi, and I don't really like watching boxing anymore. All they do is fucking hold all the time. Unless it's like a Javante Davis, like unless it's a really big fighter who you know is going to bring in. Boxing stuff, like I always say this when it comes to boxing UFC, and there's a reason why UFC, mixed martial arts in general, but really UFC surpass boxing is if I sit my six-year-old down and I have him watch boxing. Let's say it's a Floyd Mayweather fight, one of the greatest to ever do it, maybe the greatest. I haven't watched 12 rounds of Floyd, or I have him watch a five-round main event in the UFC. Yeah. Which one do you think that youngster's gonna gravitate towards? Yeah. So that's boxing's issue right now. They need to figure it out. No, you're right. I remember back in the day, I, I was like, I gotta have my family members come see Floyd Mayweather in his prime. And so I flew everybody out to watch Floyd Mayweather what fight Sugar Shane Mosley. Oh, yeah, and, yeah. You know, he got off to a bad start, so that was compelling. And then he dusted chain over the final nine rounds, and I felt like my party just felt sort of underwhelmed by the whole experience. Juxtaposed against now, when my family and friends go to a UFC pay-per-view, I mean... Oh, they're probably chomping at the bit for nuts, tickets. You know, so. You're also one of the guys, you know, you're you're one of the OGs now. Let me talk about, you know, just getting into it, but when you were first starting, but you're one of the OGs now because you were at ESPN bringing MMA to ESPN before the UFC had this huge deal, like you and Kenny was at MMA Live, yeah. like you and Kenny Florian had the show on there, I remember watching it, yeah. and you guys were kind of like the ride or dies for the hardcores on ESPN, because I was at ESPN way before the UFC was there, even when they were on Fox, and I'd be like the guy breaking down like Kane, Verdum, right. and all right. that stuff, and you'd walk around and you were like this pride, like they were like, what? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're here, you're a cockfighter? It's like, oh, whoa, dude. easy. No, you set so that up selling it is a nightmare. But you know, I remember you were like my favorite fighter in 2008 because I was a football fan and you were like the most accomplished football player to ever sort of cross into mixed martial arts at the time. But yeah, man, we had to claw for MMA, right? Like red redheaded stepchild doesn't even begin to describe oh, it. Like Stuart Scott was certainly helpful. And candidly, I always thought he should have been the guy hosting MMA Live and not me. And had he been the guy who was hosting that show, I think that might've expedited our progress internally in Bristol. It took us forever to get to ESPN too. And even then, you know, we couldn't show a lot of blood and things like that. But I gotta say, man, like when I left ESPN in 2011, there were a lot of people in my life, in my inner circle who said, you spent all this time trying to get to Bristol, you're finally at ESPN and now you're gonna go do the cage fighting thing. And it looked like the UFC was gonna end up on G4, right? Yeah. I didn't even care. Like I felt like that was the wagon to hitch to. I felt like the sport was gonna explode. 
wasn't getting football opportunity. They give me like a game a season. You're not going to get any better calling one college football no. game a season. So now, 11 years later, like I feel like I hitched to the right wagon. Um, but I don't know how things would have developed if I had tried to sort of stay on a, a more traditional ESPN sportscaster path. Oh, I, I think you made the right choice. I mean, you know, you could be, you know, there's a lot of big time football analysts out there and commentators and stuff like that and guys who are faces of the sport as far as the, you know, the booth goes. There's so many of them, but there's only one John Anik. Like, I, I'd rather be the guy of yeah. this huge sport than just one of the guys than the other one. Now, I don't know how compensation works. It might be, it might be better be the NFL guy and you're 15th on the roster yeah. as far as play, play, call, uh, calling plays or be the number one guy in the UFC. I don't yeah. know. I'm not getting in your business there. But what I do find, and tell me if I'm just off on this, there's, you know, there's a lot of journalists who they failed at other sports, and then because the UFC was new, they were able to step their foot into it. There's also a lot of commentators and play-by-play play -play guys who, for whatever reason, they just couldn't get their foot into the door with the NFL, right. NBA, MLB, so they're like, I'll settle for the UFC. Is there any resentment there with you? Because now that you're the, the guy in the UFC, where you look at the NFL or what other NBA, and you're like, told you, man. Well, I look at some of the people I came up with at ESPN, like, like Molly Karam, who's hosting First Take, Cassidy Hubbard, who is their number one Molly NBA well. sideline reporter, yeah. right? So I do believe that I would have realized some success and maybe would be calling high-level football games right now. So I think there's always going to be that football tug. But yes, you're right. Like being the lead voice of a sport is something that I never thought would materialize for me juxtaposed against being one of like 25 NFL announcers yes. who get a game or two or seven or 17 a season. So yeah, I feel like I made the right decision. And obviously when I made my first call in MMA in 09, I did Bellator season one yep. in 2009. I was fucking freaking out. Like I'm walking to the octagon with Bjorn Rebney. I'm like, dude, you got the wrong guy, man. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but once the, once go, I don't starts, know what I'm doing either. <laughs> but once the event started, you just sort of play to your strengths. You know, it's like, I don't know what a Peruvian necktie is at the time, but you know, I feel like I have a pretty good yep. feel for the broadcast and when to shut the fuck up and when to talk, when to let the action breathe. That's and, your gift. And I have to say, like when I did Bellator season one, I just, there's nothing like doing live events. What I don't like is doing the studio stuff. Like I thought I wanted to be a sports center anchor. Fuck that, bro. It's like, all right, top of the fifth inning, athletics and Royals. You, you yeah. want to do that every night? You're Man, a fucking that sounded highlight good, though, bro. You. That sounded good. But I got to experience that a little bit, and I don't want to do that every night. Like, all right, we got A's and Royals highlights, top five. And you got to you know? get your jokes in while you can. Like, whoa, doozy there. Exactly, you know? You know? Over his head. I had a few liners there uh, when I would do highlights at ESPN.com. Like, I would kept go, but release the crack in and yeah. see a doctor and get rid of it for I, home I was, runs. I was like so that. impressed when I worked at ESPN is there wasn't much prep like those guys they don't realize how good those guys are at their job like with me they're like okay you, you can go to makeup they're like you got 20 minutes I'm like cool but are we gonna go over like right. no, right. right. Verdum uh, Verdum Kane and you know the fight right I'm like yeah I know they're like so you're good you're gonna have this spot and then you know the host will be there I'm like okay I, here we go and then I, I watch other guys get ready and I'm like holy they're so Good. They're such outliers. I'm like, oh, that's why you guys have this job. Right. Like, yeah. there's not much, pre they're just boom. You are right. And ESPN, at least in terms of their methodology, they are much more like fly by the seat of their pants on live TV, whereas Fox is just much more, I think, trying to set the table Correct. for what's going to happen. So 100%. you absolutely hit on a truth there. And for me, I think it was good to cut my teeth at ESPN. Like, a lot of my broadcast partners, 
their first indoctrination into television was at Fox. That is a talent network, right? That network caters to talent. Like for me at ESPN, I was putting my suit on in a toilet stall, yeah. painting my own face until we got MMA Live to ESPN2. And I think it was valuable for me to grow up in that news environment so that when I got to Fox, I was like, oh, this is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah, like, I got this. Well, I mean, this could be a four-hour freaking food truck. Let me feed you. We have some Yeasty Boys bagels. Now, yes. I know you're not an L.A. guy, but L.A. food trucks are fantastic. My head producer, Casey, swears by it, so if it's bad, blame him. So let me feed you some. Are you on any weird restrictions diet-wise? Years old. No, no, no. I'm breaking my carnivore diet for you. Yes. And it's rare I do it for guests, All but right. I'm doing it for you, man. Thank you. It's been a long time coming. Let me feed you some Yeasty Boy bagels. Let's see. Let's do it. Let's take a little break from chatting with one of my favorites on this episode of Food Truck Diaries with my boy, John Anik, because listen, it's a new year, it's here, and you're making big changes. Chances are you could use some sweet, sweet everyday earbuds from my friends at Raycon. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. They have the optimized gel tips with the perfect in-ear fit. Look at these ears. I have tortellinis for ears for all those years of jiu-jitsu, and I can't just go with any ear, bud. I need the perfect fit, and that's why I swear by Raycon. It's the only freaking kind of little earbuds that I trust. They will not budge. Trust me. I use it when I'm riding my bike, working out at the gym. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime, a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I'm telling you, these are the best earbuds you've ever put in your little hairy ears. All right, they have noise isolation, they have awareness mode, but the, my favorite is the freaking, the way it fits in your ear. It's fantastic. I use it all the time, riding bikes, at the gym, on planes. The only earbuds I use are Raycon, all right? So go buy Raycon, go to buy Raycon, that's B-U-Y, Raycon.com slash shop today and get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash shop to score 15% off Raycon earbuds. That's buyraycon.com slash shop. Now let's get back to my friend, John Anik. Appreciate you doing this, my man. I haven't had a good bagel in a hot second. Uh, what, what do you recommend? What's what's the go-tos for people? The go-tos are most popular. Top three are the Game Over, no particular order, of course. The sure. Lux Deluxe and the Chetty Wap. The Chetty Wap. How good is this? I'm not going to fit in my suit in Brazil, but I know, it's I'm all sorry, right. man. No, it's good. I feel like I should bang a Birdman because the same guy who did my 209 tattoo did all of fucking Birdman's tattoos. You know, the guy in oh, the NBA? Chris Anderson? Yeah. That's my boy. Yeah. He is great. He's ink. such a good dude. I'm going to do a Chetty Wap, though, if you don't mind. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I just want to get fat as fuck right now. Yeah. And I'm going to, we're trying to turn you into a thick boy, dude. Let's do it. Thick's in the heart. Ha! That's not a good slogan, is it? It's not good. <laughs> it's not good these days. Uh, I'll do the game over. A little jalapeno schmear in your yeah, yeah, man, spice it up. Uh, I think that does it. Do you want to? Do you want to make it heavy? You want a hash brown again? Oh, you can double fry it, adding a hash brown to make it heavy. I'm gonna hold off on making. Yeah, me it heavy. too. I don't want to shit my pants. Yeah, I'll I'll just do the game over. Bagel and cream cheese too, just for fun. Bagel and cream cheese? Yeah, I'll do a, the regular bagel and cream cheese, as well. You have the cheddar jalapeno. Let's do that. 
Cheddar on cheddar, man. It's good, man. Make it happen. Cheddar I appreciate you deviating from the the keto carnival. Oh, I got to be careful, man. Yeah. I'll, I'll blow up. I'll, yeah, yeah. I got to be very careful. I like cut weight, like when I'm on TV. Like I just had 31 days where I wasn't on camera. I probably put on 10 pounds and like cut them off. You know? Yeah, when I know I'm going on tour, I got to go back. So for the holidays, I let loose. Yeah, I'll get to 275 yeah. like this. Really? Oh, dude, yeah. it's not fun. My suits are just tight. Like the way tailors, my great tailor, Mark Russell, but the way these guys want to tailor suits in 2023, they want the pants up to fucking here. Yeah. You know, and it almost like the jacket goes you like on good, top though. of you, um, but the suits are tight. So I gotta, I gotta be like, if I'm a pound over 55, I can't fucking you freak out. Me, you know? Well, Rogan too, like you're next to Rogan. Yeah. He, he, I think he's out of carb in like seven oh, years. Yeah. Right, right. So you're dealing with that maniac yeah, as well. So you got DC, yeah. although DC's a thick boy. I look skinny next to DC. Yeah, I look it's good. And you're, when you're, I think, are you in the middle or you're on the outside? I'm on the end. Yeah, yeah, you're always, so, it goes, yeah. you, Rogan in the middle, then DC on the yep. outside. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting though. No, I mean I eat probably worse at home on the road. I eat cleaner, whereas a lot of people that I work with, you know, they eat super clean at yeah, home, and then when they come on the road, they just on the, oh, yeah. it's because you like I'll go to Tampa uh, January twentieth, twenty first. So everyone's like, oh, you gotta try this restaurant, you gotta yeah. do this. I'm like, all right, let's do it. If you're in New York, the pizza, you know, you get Princess Pizza. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, like, I don't, like, I don't eat fucking baked goods on the road. But, like, if I'm home, like, we have things that my kid, like, I got blueberry muffins in the oh, house. Yeah, if you have no kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So. Well, uh, let's, let me feed you these bagels, man. We'll continue. this. Let's, let's do it. Shetty Wap. Came in as an underdog, but now I'm on my way. Stayed up every single night and hustled every day. I've been going so hard. All right, my man, some, some Beastie Boys. Let's go. That's a play on Beastie Boys, I, mean, I assume. This is taking me back to my childhood, you know. A lot of good bagels in the Northeast. Oh, look at this, man. You have some, oh, that's just the straight, even the even the cream cheese one looks pretty fire. Casey sweared by him. He's a New Jersey boy, so he oh. knows. Connecticut. Oh, I thought you were Jersey. Oh, I think different of you now. Yeah, he's got that 203 cell phone. Refuse to change it. Nice bagel? Bro. I mean, I couldn't fly you all the way out of here before you head to Brazil or where the hell you're going or Ukraine. I don't know. This where you're is going. banging. Like, I try not to talk in superlatives when I eat and say things like, this is the best breakfast sandwich I've ever had. But, bro, there's something about this bagel. Man. Is it nice? I'm pretty excited for it. Something about this bagel. Is there uh, back home in Boston, you got some go tos in Massachusetts? Yeah, I haven't been so there much in a while. Good food. You haven't gone back in a while. Well, you big time your family back home? Most of them are gone. Okay, sorry about that. I did I did take my kids to Fenway Park last summer. Top of the first inning, five nothing Blue Jays. I turned to my daughter, I'm like, this one's over. She's like, what do you mean? Five nothing, top of the first inning. But we stayed seven innings and uh Was it over? Oh yeah, they didn't come yeah, back. They lost like yeah. twenty eight to five or something. Yeah, it's the pros, yeah. But no, most of my family has left Boston, but I try to take my kids back to sort of experience the city. My kids love New York. And Traders. as a Boston guy. Traders. Exactly. So when we first moved to South Florida, they, my daughters would like shove the Miami Dolphins in my face, right? Because I'm a Patriots fan, asking for Dolphins gear, but now they're on the right side. <laughs> asking know? for Dolphins gear? Yeah. Like, I mean, what jersey know, are you getting? You know? yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. No, I think. Uh, Here's a Tua jersey. Right. I think you, for a while, like Tannehill jerseys were everywhere. Oh, that's like, right. But yeah. But uh, no, I mean, I don't miss the cold, but it is weird, like raising kids in South Florida. Like, I never thought I would be in Florida, but I like the sun. I and like is that heat. all they know? Like, were they, were they born in Florida? 
Or was so, it born somewhere else and you moved to Florida? So my first daughter, actually, so five people in my immediate family all born in different states. New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Nevada, Florida. Oh, so wow. my first daughter was born in New Haven, Connecticut when I was at ESPN. Then we moved to Vegas, had my second daughter in Vegas. That's her claim to fame because she's fucking crazy. <laughs> and my son was born in Florida. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, I liked Vegas. My wife didn't like Vegas. She just didn't want to raise the girls in Vegas, which I certainly understand. It's an acquired but, uh, taste. There's, yeah. certain, there's certain good things about Vegas. Same with Florida. That, yeah. my, my thing, people are like, oh, you know, you, you, you align more with Florida, you know, the taxes, and, you know, they didn't lock down. I'm like, yeah, sure. For what I do, like, Miami, there's some energy there, but there's just no energy. The comedy scene stuff, but there's no, there's not a ton of energy. Like, here, even though I'm in Calabasas, there's a hustle here. Like, you, right. you, you, you touch on L.A., touch on New York, Boston, for that matter. There's a, uh, that hustle energy, which I like. There's that, that, that competitive energy. There's no pull for you to go back to Denver, though? None. Zero. I go back, then I feel like I'm in a country western. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, oh, it's slow here, man. Yeah. You know? so that, yeah, I mean, I feel that a little bit. I kind of like that. You know, I live in, like, West Boca Raton, not, like, in the belly of the beast. We're, like, removed. Because I'm a little bit of a, of a homebody. Me too. Yeah. I'm super homebody. Yeah. Boca Raton, they call it uh, Heaven's Wedding Room. Right? There's yeah, a lot of older yeah. people. Oh, yeah. My manager, Lex, is down there. Yeah. 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 And obviously, a lot of pro fighters down there. But yeah, when I first moved down there and you go to like CVS and it takes you 20 minutes to get a pack of gum because everyone in line is 78 years old, yeah. that was an adjustment for me. Yeah. And it can be depressing. Like, my wife was like, everyone's fucking dying down yeah. there. Yeah. You know? So, but, but it's gotten happy. younger. And obviously, a lot of New Yorkers. I mean, that's, I guess, my biggest complaint is that I feel like I'm in New York South. And as a Boston guy, I can't even root for Chris Weidman. You know, like we don't root for New Yorkers. Yeah, like, no. so when my daughters start putting New York City over, it's like, How fucking no, you. it's dirty. No. Well, let's get into some fighting here, my man. Yeah. I feel like uh, I can't remember. You, you, and it might be my perspective on it, but I, it, I feel like it's a lot of people's perspectives. I can't imagine in any sport a rougher start to 2023. It's been the roughest time to be an MMA fan right now. Like, there's so many deaths. You have the Dana situation, you know? So it's just, right now, like, I feel like the sport is, like, it's just, it's in a tough spot. Of course, we're gonna get out of it. I just think UFC needs to announce, like, a big, like, if they announce John Jones Francis, some huge mega fight, we're all gonna forget about all this darkness and just get back to business. So they need to start rolling out the big fight announcements, which I think is going to happen. I think you're right. I think certainly if we could somehow announce Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards, right, that event has already been announced for March 18th, but we don't have confirmation that Kamar is going to be a part of it. But you're right. I think a John Jones, Francis Ngannou announcement would be useful. I think just having our pay-per-view in Rio here in short order is going to help things. But, uh, yeah, man, you know, Stefan Bonner was a good friend of mine, and certainly yeah. we were closer Ten years ago than we were at the time of sure. his passing, but you know he was at my wedding. Like he was a really Ugh. devoted friend. And when I moved to Vegas, you know his family really sort of brought us in. They yeah, were the only he was friends a we guy had. At the time, yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but it just saddened me to such an extent getting that text message on Christmas Eve because, you know, I feel like for a lot of guys they transition out of fighting and there are mental, physical, and emotional challenges. And I just think for him he had a lot of all of those and Agreed. just couldn't necessarily turn that corner. And then when it looked like maybe he was going to turn the corner, started a podcast, had some momentum, you know, passes away at work. Yeah, he was just a good guy. And then you got, uh, you know, Angela Lee's sister passed away. Oh. And then, you know, Rumble Johnson not too long ago, which yeah. was a tough one. So it's just like all oh, this hit, hit, Barone, hit. Right? Phil Baroni thing is just like, what? So it's like with the Baroni stuff, the Dana stuff, I feel like 
the sport finally got to the main stage and were viewed upon from the public like a NFL, MLB, or NBA. And then with that stuff, it sets us back. Yeah, yeah. And as Dana said yesterday to the media, you know, the people that might lose respect for him are people that he respects a great deal. You know, fighters and his colleagues and even the MMA media. He's close with a lot of those people. But uh, it's sort of just walking back into your reality. You know, there was one time on a UFC broadcast we had two fighters competing, Andre Yule and Chris Gutierrez. And the why for both of those guys is their sons that they aren't allowed to see, right? Andre Yule has a son who's 13 who he can't see. And Chris Gutierrez's son is younger and he can't see him. And I sort of mistakenly, I wish I could take it back, but I tied their two stories together on live TV and I mentioned that they both had been through like custody battles with their kid. And I'm sort of trying in the middle of a round to explain that this is two, this is why these guys fight. They're both heavy hearted, right? And not a day of my life goes by where some UFC fan doesn't reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram and says something about the custody battle why? thing. Well, that's because that's part of the narrative. Like to me, that's what makes MMA great. It's like, Boxing it for the longest when you think about those, you know, the countdown, stuff like that. Like, you'd be a random Mexican dude. I had no clue who he was. Yeah. And you see his backstory. They show him, you know, uh, in somewhere in Juarez, Mexico, and you see his family and he's fighting right, for his kid right. or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm sold on the guy. Right. With MMA, there's so many great stories, and you do such a good job telling that story. Unfortunately, that one might be, you know, a little darker story, but that's yeah. still their story. Well, right, and that was what my intention was. I mean, my intentions were clear and they were good, Did right? It come I just, off the certain... phraseology wasn't good, right? The, the term custody battle, and I'm glad on a platform like this to be able to discuss this a little bit. The term custody battle obviously rings true with a lot of people, and there are a lot of negative connotations because it's a battle between former spouses yes. in a lot of situations. But ultimately, Chris Gutierrez and Andre Yule had both talked about this publicly. They had talked about it with us, right? And, it's not like you broke news. And when Chris Gutierrez wins the fight, you know, I felt a little bit vindicated because he's crying in the octagon with Joe Rogan. And had I not mentioned it, then why is he crying? Correct. He's crying because he's being kept from his son. So I just felt like I... I had good intentions, but I didn't put it particularly well. But I bring it up in the context of, of what Dana White uh, is dealing with, or not even what he's dealing with, he put it upon himself, but it's like walking back into your new life, honestly, you know? Like when I got off the air that night and I saw my mentions, thousands, right? I've never had more mentions getting off the air, people calling for my job, something custody triggered. battle this, yeah. Something triggered me. But when Ronda Rousey lost to Holly Holm, welcome to your fucking new life. And, and even though Kamar Usman and Israel Adesanya have handled those circumstances maybe better than Ronda did, like for Kamaru, like he's handled it beautifully. But dude, welcome to your new life. So did Izzy. Let's take another little break chatting with my boy John Anik on this week's Food Truck Diaries because it's a new year. And guess what? My friends at Onnit are here to give you the best step forward to making the best year possible with Onnit's New Year All You. All right, they got everything you need. They're giving you 20% off select supplements and nutrition, 10% off select fitness, 50% off digital items. And also, you get Alpha Brain to support your focus. It's the number one nootropic on the planet, all right? They've sold over a million freaking bottles. You get your money back guaranteed. You don't need to send back the product. Keep it. That's how much they trust in Alpha Brain, the number one nootropic on the planet. 
For training you can do at home, join the new year All You program on at six challenge, a six-week workout and lifestyle program with 36K in prize money up for grabs. The challenge helps you connect with others in on it community so you can support each other, achieve your goals, and make bank, bro. That's right. So you get 10% off select fitness, 50% off digital items. All right, that means alpha brain. You get all sorts of dope gifts, man. All right, with 20% off, 10% off, 50% off. Streaming fitness. Stay at home, do the streaming fitness. Get kettlebells, steel club maces. You got protein powders, hemp powders. We got everything. Warrior bars. It, it's on it. The one-stop shop to get your year right. It's 2023. Let on it help you. It's onit.com slash FTD. That's onit.com slash FTD for Food Truck Diaries. Onit.com slash FTD. Save 10% off the entire website. But right now for limited time, only through January. Again, that's 10% off Select Fitness, 20% off Supplements, 50% off Digital Items. And then you can sign up for the Onit 6 Challenge, an all-new year, all-new you. Onit. Get you some. Onit.com slash FTD. This episode of the Food Truck Diaries with John Anik is also brought to you by my friends at Happy Hippo, the world's best creator on the planet listen they just dropped their new little kratom shop shot here it's the butterscotch it tastes delicious it also gets your brain fired up it's my limitless pill whatever i'm doing podcast stand up radio tv doesn't matter your boy's on happy hippo kratom it's the only kratom that i trust and if you don't like the high concentrated shots like your boy they got powder they got pills they got gummies they got anything you need to get that delicious kratom into your body that's happy hippo go to happy hippo.com promo code is thick 23 that's thick with three c's t-h-i-c-c-c 23 and you save 20 percent off the best kratom on the planet for life use that code as many times as you want share it with your friends your family thick 23 thick with three c's you get the best kratom on the planet that's happyhippo.com. promo code thick 23 every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. For reals, let's get back to the program. Yeah, I think I think with Dana it's tough, and I struggle with it because obviously you know I, I get a lot of hate online stuff like that. So when someone's going through something, I don't care if I don't have any enemies. I don't. Some people might not like me. I, they're not getting that back. You know, it takes the power from. Them. So yeah. with Dana, people always think we have issues. We don't. That's in the past. He's doing good. I'm doing good. If he called me, he was like, hey, Shab, we need you to cover this. You got it, dude. Yeah. Hey, Shab, those kicks were fly. I wear 13. Cool, you can have them. Yeah. I don't care. Right. I have no animosity towards the guy. So when this stuff came, a lot of people in my mentions, emails, all, oh, can't wait to see your take on this. Finally can light this guy up. I'm like, oh, you haven't been paying attention. I don't dogpile. I don't see anybody get canceled. He has a wife and kids. Clearly has a wife, wife and kids. It's not what I do. What I do know is people make mistakes. I know that for a fact. I have friends who've made some mistakes, and I believe in a comeback story. I also don't think one situation at a Senior Frogs in Cancun or where he was at defines yeah. Dana White, yeah. but there has to be some sort of repercussions there. 100%, you can't t- put your hands on your women. Even if they hit you first, I don't, right, I don't right. care. But I just, I, I didn't know how to kind of take it in. I didn't know how to digest. I'm like, oh, that's not good, that's not good. 
and a part of me is like, I don't want to see, like, people are calling for him to lose his job. I'm like, that's not the answer. Yeah. That, that can't be the answer. Like, and for those of you asking uh, for him to lose his job, I'm not saying you put your hands on women, but you've never made a mistake before. Yeah. But I, I don't vouch for him or defend him. And as he said, don't defend him. There should be some repercussions. I think my biggest takeaway from all of it, and they're going to do what they want with Dana, and I can have no control over that. But what I do think, uh, the, my takeaway was how powerful is Dana White? I don't think, like, you know, some people are like, oh, if he was a black man, he'd been canceled. It's not a black or white thing, it's a power thing. Yeah. I think, you know, he shows you how powerful he is with, you can tell, you know, Fox and ESPN, they've been mum on it, which I was surprised, especially in this current climate. But it just shows you how powerful he is. It's like, oh, that, and, you know, it has nothing to do with me. He doesn't control yeah. anything I do. Yeah. I was just like, oh, wow, that's, that's intense how powerful that guy is. Yeah. I can't imagine. And I haven't gotten Rogan's take on it, but you know, you, you gotta be careful with Rogan too, right? He comes from a family of he's seen domestic violence, yeah, yeah. his mom being punched in the face, so I'm sure he feels a certain type of way about yeah. it. But you guys are so close to the flame. I'm not. I'm yeah. all the way out here. It has to. Well, you guys, you have to wake up and just be like, ah, oh, damn. No, it's hard. It's a right? lot. Like you don't. And I'm not even trying to put you on the spot. You don't have to answer. No, I'm, you know it's me. Okay. Like we're boys. I love the fuck out of you. So it's like I wasn't even gonna bring it up. It's just. It's it's an elephant in the room, kind it is. of. No, and it's a tricky thing, right? Yeah, As I don't the lead play-by-play so voice for the UFC. Now. It's like I don't know what people necessarily want me to do, right? So yeah, we thought about on our podcast maybe we'll read Dana's quotes and then have a quick reaction. You know, nobody's going to defend a man putting a hand on a woman in terms of the punishment and the repercussion. I don't think a sixty-day suspension solves anything, no. but certainly. A philanthropic individual, like people don't understand just how philanthropic Dana White is. Like he doesn't publicize the goodwill he does. So I think for him, trying to affect change in that world, whether it's sitting down with people who have been involved in those situations or making a contribution to women who have dealt with something like this. Like, yes, you can affect change in that area. Um, but I do believe that, you know, not unlike for me with the custody battle thing, really a valuable lesson for me to learn. That's something I'm going to be dealing with for the rest of my broadcasting career. Well, I mean, bro, we're three years I think it's in Go your to head. my mentions right now. Like, there's a custody battle mention today. <laughs> You know? well, but that's but that's online. Like the majority of people, and you know, on so on your Twitter, or whatever they say, if you walk down the street, one in ten people on Twitter, you know, they, they're right. familiar with it. So that might be the narrative on social media. But when you walk down the street, trust me, dude, I, I have a good read on this. Most people are like, holy shit, there's John Egg, the greatest, you know, commentator in combat sports. No one's like, man, you remember that one time huh. on that undercard he talked about custody? Never. I think that's more of your own thing, and then obviously online. It's the only thing. That, what are you going to grab John Anik for? What are you going to him for? Yeah. Well, I appreciate your support, and you've had my back for 15 years now. And obviously, Rogan's public support certainly helps me. He called the you the public greatest opinion. commentator no, in combat sports. Well, play-by-play guy. Obviously, Joe and I have different jobs, and I for think sure. that's lost on some people. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an analyst, right? No. I mean, certainly so there's, there's play-by-play, and then there's color, right? Yeah. Joe's more of the color. But obviously, you know, we worked together for the first time in 2012, and now we've been working together regularly for almost seven years. But to have his approval, like, can you imagine what it's like for my twin brother and my mom to see Joe Rogan go on a podcast and call me, you know, the greatest play-by-play Oh, it's like you being an author, and Oprah recommends your book on a book club. And it's like, like, you know, well, and he said one of these things, not for nothing, like, during my contract negotiation. It's like, fuck, man, like, thank you. Yeah, like, what's up now? You sent them that for your negotiation? But, you know, I do have a clause in my contract that they can fire me without cause at any time. And that's sort of unique for sports broadcasters. Like, when I signed an ESPN contract, the whole deal's guaranteed. Oh, interesting. I didn't know that. 
But I'm not fearful of losing my job, but Where I really you? do have my head to the pavement, like feeling like I have to earn it every show. Because one thing I think we all know about Dana White is that if I have a few bad shows in a row, like he won't hesitate to get rid of me. Like I need to earn you that fucking still? seat. Well, you think still? I need to earn that seat. Yeah. And I think you got some leeway now. Well, and certainly having... I'm like, you have some nerve. Well, having <laughs> you know, certainly having Joe's support, because the thing is, like, we want Joe for the long term. And it just feels bigger and better when he's there. Correct. And that's the majority opinion. And for me, there's just such a different dynamic when he is there. And I want to make sure he's happy. So if he's happy and he's enjoying this, like, with respect to Mike Goldberg, I feel like Joe Rogan has never had more fun than he is having right now. And, that, and that's the key. Like, it's really, it's the three of you. Like, I, like don't get me wrong, Abysming's one of my favorites. Cruz is great. Felder's phenomenal. I want to see Laura Sanko up there with yeah. you guys. She's great. But when it's you three, it's something special. It's so special. You got Rogan, right, this legend. You got you, the best to do it. You have DC, Hall, first ballot Hall of Famer, like one of the best to ever do it. But the, the chemistry between you guys, I always re, uh, relate to the fight campaigns that Rogan started. I do them now because yeah. he can't, and that's with his blessing. So um, with the fight campaign, those were so special because it was friends. So even though Eddie's this jiu-jitsu mastermind, he started 10th Planet you know, and beat Gracie in this phenomenal, brilliant mind, but he's a huge conspiracy theorist. And then you have Rogan, who's you know the, the guy, right? And then you have me, and then you have Count. It was this, this perfect yeah. like relationship where Man, it just works. Yeah. So when it's you, Rogan, in D.C., it's like <clears throat> I can sit back and you guys kind of break the fourth wall where I think the reason why you guys work so well together is people feel like they're watching it with their friends. That's why yeah. fight campaigns work. That's why podcasts work. Yeah. Because people think they, they, can feel, they can relate to it. It's not so suit and tie. Right. So it's the real shape of the three of you together. Like, you got, the three of you should never break up. You're well, like, thank you. You're like the Beatles. You should never break well, up. Well, thank you. And those guys deserve a lot of credit, and certainly Daniel for his levity and his comedy. I just think he brings out the best version of Joe. I do feel like Joe is at his best when Daniel is to his right. But no, it means a lot. You know, obviously there was a time when Dana talked about this dream team and there were rumors that you know Mario Lopez was going to come in and you know here I am the number two guy being elevated to the number one guy and then I got to hear about this dream team of which in theory I'm not a part I feel like I've distanced myself what was from the dream that. team Mario was it Mario Lopez I don't know I don't know what the dream team was I don't think I was a part of it but I feel like humbly I've distanced myself from that conversation oh you're the dream team dude with my you're Larry Bird because well, you're from Boston you're Larry Bird Rogan's Jordan, and then DC's Magic Johnson. There's no dream team without the three of them. Well, thanks. I feel like I've just had to... Mario Lopez, Isaiah Thomas. Take right? it. No one likes them. Yeah. Like, you know, but you got to put up with them. Right? I just feel you like... You got to listen to them in the hotel room. <laughs> I just feel like I've just... It sounds trite, but like I've stayed true to like what got me to the dance, which is just hard work, preparation, and just sort of tuning out the noise, right? Yeah. And... You know, Dana and I have never been in a better place than we are right now, but he certainly rode me pretty good when I started, right? He told me that there were going to be a lot of people who just fell off of my support bandwagon, and he was absolutely right about that. He said, my haters were going to go through the roof, and initially that's exactly what happened. But he said, we're not hiring you to be Goldie or Joe. We're hiring you to be yourself. Yes. But he had heard two voices call every UFC fight for 15, 20 years. So then all of a sudden, Ken Flo and I are calling that fight in Nashville, and he's in the back. Like, that's an adjustment for him and MMA fans Fair. around the world. And I think now, 11, 12 years in, I feel like oh, he's there's comfortable. No, dude, there's no UFC without John Anik. 
Well, you're irreplaceable, man. You know this. Well, th you know, one thing that I've really tried to focus on is like the championship calls and the fight ending calls. You know, I don't have a token phrase that I go to. I'm trying to provide the historical soundtrack for the biggest moments in UFC history, and I want those moments to be unique. I never know what the fuck I'm gonna say. Sometimes it comes out better than others, you know? Well, if it's pre-planned, we can all smell it, right? Right. Like, it'd be, well, yeah. most people could. The only time I ever thought about something, Demetrius Johnson was chasing down something, and the word immortality, I felt like I wanted to work that into a call, and I'll never do that again, because I felt like it got my head, yeah. you know? You're like, delayed, yeah. But, you know, Jan Like, Kate was immortality, though. Right, 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 yeah. <laughs> Rogan's like, like, what? Right, it's like, dude. Yeah, like, come on, man. What? You know? You're forcing it. Right. But when Jan Bohovic broke through, you know, Poland, your guy, got it done. It's seven words that I think will withstand the test of time. I, I don't know what the fuck I was going to say, Agreed. but sometimes less is more. You know, Agreed. Even saying, like, fourth round TKO, if you inflect the right way, can be powerful. Yeah, so. and then one more sleep. Speaking of which, <laughs> Brazil designs are out. This is a double XL. Oh, is I think really? this is our best design with the Brazilian flag. Underneath, I think this and is the, the best and design. And have some Brazilian ties by Brazilian ties. One so, more sleep. Uh, I had a good sleep in Brazil when Nogueira knocked me out, so this is offensive, but I appreciate huh. the shirt. There you go. So oh, that's, that's the double XL, and then we did bring you um, the New York City edition oh, in, in an XL. That's what as we're well. talking about. Um, XL's a little tight. That's but, a UFC oh, that 281. One, oh, that one's sick. But that's a little more subtle, right? Yeah, you I know? dig it though, man. So, but one more sleep's kind of your thing. It's funny, it sort of took off organically. As we filed the trademark, we had to go back and find my first usage of it. And it was like a tweet in 2015. It sort of took on a life of its own. There is a Christmas song called One More Sleep. But yeah, it's sort of something I've become associated with and we're selling the merchandise and having fun with it. But um, it doesn't look it, like dude. we're gonna get the trademark. But yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. And, yeah, uh, I love it. Yeah, so. Now, as far as uh, looking forward to future fights, is there any fights that you're like, you need to see happen this year. To me, John has to fight. John Jones yeah. has to fight. Before you answer, John Jones has to fight. Um, I would love a, a, a Sugar and uh, Aljamain Sterling, but Sterling just came out and said he injured his shoulder. Right. So it's probably gonna be Cejudo and uh, Sugar, which is a good fight. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Volkanovski, uh, Makachev's a great fight. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, Izzy Pierre rematch. Yep. Gotta think that that's gonna happen. Hamzat just, hey, quit running from him. Give him, give him fight. He he can't get a fight. I don't even see him on Instagram either. It's like, dude, this isn't helping you. Yeah. Like he looks terrifying. Well, and like, let's take Bilal Muhammad, right? A guy who love him. And he's not going to turn down Hamzat Shimaev, but there are times where maybe a fighter like Bilal will be approached with a Hamzat fight, and he just has beaten Sean Brady, and then maybe they want him to turn around in seven weeks, That's and tough. it's just not realistic. It's one thing to turn down Hamzat Shimaev when you're getting what amounts to a full training camp. Correct. It's another thing when the circumstances intervene. So I don't think Bilal turned down Hamzat if he was offered that fight in a full training camp. Like, no fucking way. I actually think Bilal, as far as stylistically, poses the most issues for him. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of guys you see issues for Hamzat. So when we did our year-end wrap-up in 2020, my dream fight was Hamzat Shimaya versus Colby Covington, and now two years later, like that's still my dream matchup, so I would like to see that. But the fight I gotta see this year is Valentina Shevchenko against Zhang Weili. It doesn't seem as though Shevchenko and Nunes are gonna fight a third time at 35, even though Valentina finally seems to have redeveloped an appetite for that fight. But dude, Zhang Weili is someone who can absolutely she become a so double good. champion. Her, her grappling look much better. I'll tell you who uh, is going to give Shevchenko a run for her money by the end of the year is Tatiana Suarez. 
That's right. She's coming back. That's right. She's a problem. And Suarez she has even hinted that she wants to go back to strawweight. I'd like to see her stay at flyweight, Canada. Me too. You know? But she can do both. Yeah. But I, I, I think to chase that Shevchenko, she could get it in stylistically. If her injuries, you know, if her neck's there, yeah. she's a problem. That's a great name to inject into the conversation because they you need have... It. She's going to fight Montana De La Rosa, and if she beats her, she could certainly fight Valentina. It looks like Tyler Santos and Aaron Blanchfield are going to fight. Both yep. of them would be worthy, even though Santos already had her shot. Um, but I don't know, man. Like, I'm not so sure Zhang Weili doesn't beat Valentina Shevchenko. I know she just won the belt for a second time, so maybe there will be a title defense first. But uh, but wait, after seeing Weili, you're like, oh, man, she's gotten way better. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It's her crazy grappling, her transitions, to, her jiu-jitsu. You're like, oh, this girl's a problem. It's crazy to look back to her two-fight series Isn't with it Rose Namajunas. You know? Isn't crazy? Nuts. You know, for Conor McGregor, too, and I, I'm changing gears a little bit here, but Conor's going to fight again in the UFC. Like, you know he is a fighter. He is a mixed martial this year. artist. He'll fight this year. And this is what he wants to do. Like, yeah, there's a monetary component to it, but there's no way for him to scratch the competitive itch that he's trying to scratch anywhere else but the octagon. So Yeah, the whiskey sales aren't doing it for him. Like, he did that, right? So I think for Conor, I just think his team needs to sit down and go, we know you want to fight Makachev. We know you want to do this, Charles Oliveira. Yeah. No, no, you've been out too long. The game yeah. doesn't work like this. Let's get a win. Get the fans back on your side, and then go for that big shot, and then maybe ride off into the sunset. But uh, Tony Ferguson makes a lot of sense. A Chandler would be fun yeah. for him. The tough fights, but yeah. to go straight to the tip of the spear, you know, the Kamaru Usman's or the you know the Charles Oliveiras or the Machos, like no, 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 yeah. dude, you've been out too long. Right. Don't another loss, and it's just game game set match. Yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised to see him back at 55. Obviously, he would only be back at 55 for the undisputed lightweight championship. What about Masvidal? Does that? Oh, that does yeah. it for me. Yeah, that does. Oh, that's. I, I mean, I that think does that's interesting at welterweight, you know. And maybe there would be more upside to that matchup for Connor than than a Ferguson fight. Fifty five is gonna be tough for him. Yeah, I think he's so too, too. He's too juicy in a good way. Like he's jacked. Yeah, but no, I mean it's interesting because. In terms of superstars, like the biggest thing that I am charged with is humanizing our athletes and helping the promotion create stars. And it's Oof. always funny to me when people say, like, dude, like, yeah, there's never going to be another Conor McGregor, right? Like, Patty Pimblett is a star, but, like, nobody's going to reach Conor's level. I feel pretty convicted in saying that. Not but the notion lifetime. that there aren't going to be other stars, right? Like, dude, I remember in 2017 we were having this conversation, and then Israel Adesanya goes on to headline like 25% of our pay-per-views for the next four years. Superstar. Right? And then Patty Pimblett and Alex Pereira, on and on it goes. So, Sean. Exactly. These guys coming out of nowhere. Right. So, like, there's all, it's always going to be there. It's right. always going to be there. You just don't know who it's going to be. I do think, yeah, as far as like those big pay-per-view stars, it's just it, it, it's a different business model now. It's yeah. The, the, the Connor days of those huge pay-per-view uh, superstars are gone. I think now your biggest pay-per-view stars probably is he. Yeah. You know? But like last year was like a good year for the hardcores, right? Like pay-per-views like Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev, right? But like for me, like do I get more excited for Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makashev or the BMF title fight, right? Like to me, we've had a lot of highly competitive, highly compelling matchups between the best fighters in the world that maybe aren't doing north of 300,000 pay-per-view buys. And but I don't care. Dude, right. I mean, these are the I biggest do not best care. fights in the world. Yeah, agree, so. agree. Now, as far as your boy Kenny Florian, well, we can end on this. As far as your boy Kenny Florian, Jake Paul signed with PFL. When I heard that, you know, Kenny's our boy, I was like, oh, this is good for Kenny. Because PFL, you know, it's good league. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's in cahoots with the ESPN UFC. So it's good league, but Jake Paul going there, it's, it's going to be so beneficial for our boy Kenny. Yep. And I'm interested to see who does Jake Paul fight in MMA. Because if I'm his manager, before you answer, if I'm his manager, 
we go for Nate Diaz. But you box first. Right. I do believe he, can, he has a chance to beat Nate in boxing. Yeah. You're not going to beat Nate in MMA. So I think you do the box match first. Hopefully you win that if you're Jake, Team Jake. Then you go to MMA. That could be a little more difficult for you. But then there's the paydays on that trilogy match. Yeah. Whichever right. it's box or right. MMA depends, right. you know? So Hanato Moicano came out and said he feels like Jake Paul has a far easier time beating Nate Diaz in a boxing setting than Nate Diaz has beating Jake Paul in an MMA setting. Like when you forecast Nate mopping the floor with Jake Paul, who has some size on him, like how is that going down? Because certainly I think Nate would be a three to one favorite over Jake Paul in an MMA, in MMA? setting, but like, dude, there's a huge size discrepancy. There's and size still, and power. I mean, size, like power. standing guillotine, like you gotta get the fight to the floor. And Nate's not known for his wrestling. Jake has some wrestling background in high school, which, you know, I'm, I always hate saying high school right, background. Right, right. But uh, he does have a little more experience when it comes to the wrestling. Yeah, so if Nate couldn't take him down, it could, it could be some some issues. But, you know, I, I don't think it's going to be... I'd say, yeah, three to one. You know, Jeremy Stevens, Anthony Showtime Pettis, other big names that are under that PFL banner, but too small, right? But I just have to say, man, like, I don't know if you saw that whole six-minute promotional video that Jake Paul put out there. Obviously, for me, like, I didn't love the sort of veiled shot at Dana, my boss, at the end. But, dude, I thought it was fucking brilliant. Nobody I thought it was better. masterfully produced. He's a great orator and an articulator, putting over the rest of the PFL roster. Like, I really thought that in terms of, like, a directive for fans, like, it was fucking perfect. And He's interesting to see because, you know, you talk about hate. Who has more hate than Jake Paul? Like, Jake and his brother... You know, a lot of fans, a lot of hate, yeah. right? It goes hand in hand. If you're doing something well, you can have haters. So those guys have so much hate, and especially when Jake and Logan, for that matter, but really more so Jake, when he came over to the boxing scene, now he's coming to MMA, the MMA and fight scene hated that yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. But it's crazy for me to see. He's like, he's kind of winning people over. Fighter pay, now he's willing to risk it and fight MMA. Yeah. It's hard to hate on the guy. It's like, okay. Yeah. All right, well, well damn. Right. Well, and 50, I like, 50% split on pay-per-view, it's like, this is unheard of. And we'll see, right, how that all plays out because... That business model's not sustainable. Right, and if so. you think about, let's just say Jeremy Stevens versus Jake Paul, right? How does that do on pay-per-view, right? Because ultimately 50% of what, right? Like, you still got to get people to actually purchase the pay-per-view. And I think for Jake, too, coming over PFL, a lot of people, you know, aren't alluding to this, but a big problem for Jake on his fights that were on Showtime and wherever else he was fighting... A lot of that was pirated. Like a lot of his fan base, that younger fan base, they're not paying right, $50, right, $60, right, whatever. Right. They're illegally streaming that thing. So his numbers, it might show whatever, 500000 600000 Really, it's like 1.5, probably $2 because that young fan base is stealing it. Yeah, no, you you're come right. over to ESPN, good luck stealing that bad boy. But I mean, I say, you can, don't get me wrong, but the majority of those youngsters aren't going to be able to steal it. No, so that's right. another benefit for him, co you know, coming over to this kind of empire. You're not going to be able to steal it as much. No, I think it's important that you got that out there. I will say though, and I'm talking to someone right now who's built a fucking empire for himself in Southern California, and a lot of it's rooted in hard work, right? Mm. Obviously you have a lot of natural talent, comedic ability and timing and all that shit, right? But Jake Paul's a fucking worker. Like why does he have my ultimate respect? Like you don't think there are a hundred or so fighters on our roster that Jake Paul's working harder than? Like this dude works. So to me, Unless I'm missing something, like my respect for him initially was just rooted in the fact that, that he worked. That's where I came from. And people, when I co-signed him and Logan, who I know both of them pretty well, Logan used to live very close to me, so me and him became friends. But originally, you know, they're, I'm too old. To, I've, never, I've never seen any of their YouTube videos. I, right. I think I saw the Logan Paul in the, the forest one we got in trouble for. I was like, this is insane. I can't believe people watch this, but they do. Yeah. So I wasn't a fan of like, his work in that sense. 
But then when I start coming around, I'm like, oh, these guys, they know exactly what they're doing. Not only are they business savvy, but they're working their ass off. And then when I went to watch Jake work out, I'm like, oh, this dude is put in work. And then when you think about it, him and his brother are so massive as far as their fan base, they could play checkers and make millions of dollars. They decided to do boxing and MMA. Are you out of your mind? Yeah, they are. But it's just good luck to you. I don't hate on it. And I also feel like for Jake, like when you look at that early footage, like he wanted to be an MMA fighter more than a boxer. Correct. And obviously it's a harder sport to realize long-term success in, right? I mean, certainly you can argue, especially with respect for, for women, right? Like if you want to become a professional athlete, like mixed martial arts is probably the sport. Like you can get on a path where you can't necessarily get on that path to get to the WNBA as easily. Tough game. You know, but... Um, I think, yeah, I, I just yeah. It's interesting. I think too, where what really opened my eyes, and this is just insane. This is just a story about Logan Paul. So I worked the Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather fight. I was the uh, expert on Logan Paul, right? That's right. And so I'd go into his locker room, and I and you know I, I've known Logan a while now. In my head, I'm like, I'm gonna go back to some a shit show. I, I wish I was in Floyd's locker right. room. It's gonna be way more calmer. Right. I go into, they're like, all right, you're up, and I go into Logan Paul's uh, locker room. I'm like trying to hype myself. I'm like, just be calm, talk him down if he's freaking out. I go back at, I go back there. They're playing like weird, like yogi music. There's like incense, and you would have thought they were doing, you know, a, a hot yoga session. Really? It was the calmest locker room I've ever seen. Wow. And I go up to him, he's not nervous at all. He's like laughing with his friends and stuff, and they're wrapping his hands. And I was like, you don't seem nervous at all. He's like, no, I've already won. He's like, dude. I'm a YouTuber. And as he's wrapping his hands, he goes, I'm a YouTuber, dude. He goes, I'm about, he goes, I'm 30 minutes away from fighting Floyd Mayweather. He goes, you know how stupid this is? And I was like, oh my God. His dad's freaking out though. Right. And so I go up to his dad and he's like, man, what do you think? And I go, I go, Pops, listen, your son's way bigger than him. Right. Worst thing that's gonna happen is Floyd hits him with a body shot, he goes down. Yeah. Trust me, he's gonna be fine. He's yeah. too big for him. And, I, and he goes, you think he's gonna win? I go, it's like you're crazy, but he's not gonna get like taking out on a stretcher. Floyd's right. small. And I saw Floyd hitting mitts. And he had like this gray beard. He said yeah, yeah. mitts. And I was like, oh, he looks, that's because I've worked with Floyd before. I'm yeah. like, oh, he looks, he looks his age. I was like, Logan might be able to do yeah, something. Right. He's not going to beat him, right. but he might be right. able to win some rounds, right. you know? But just seeing that, I'm like, these guys are on a different level, dude. Just so, a different planet. In terms of your nerves before big time college football games versus fights, not even close. So nothing for the football game, like just resting no, heart rate, n- like n- nervous. And and I was thinking about because you know those were the days you know you're playing the Texas when they're the powerhouses when they had you know um, uh, what's his freaking name um, Vince Young yeah the Vince Young Young Bo Scaife. Um, and then Bo Scaife, Bo Scaife, um, amazing tight end, playing Oklahoma against Jason White, Heisman Trophy winner at the time, Adrian Peterson, Heisman Trophy yeah. winner at the time. But then their, their defense is Derek Johnson. So I'd have to go against certain guys. So I was nervous about that single guy and you know performing what I was supposed to do on certain plays. But nothing, yeah, nothing right, like right, the right, UFC. Right. No, listen, great sport, love to watch it. Worst gig in the world, dude. <laughs> I, worst fucking gig in the dude. I was terrified. Terrified. And I, I, listen, I'm very open about it. People are like, oh, pussy, cool. I'm telling you, I've been back there. The toughest people you know that you guys love. I've seen them shit in their pants. Oh, yeah. I've seen world champions, their coaches, be like, you're going out there. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. nope, I'm not doing it tonight. He's like, you're going out there crying. Yeah. So I wasn't that bad. Right. I'm just not that big of a bitch. I can admit it. I'm like, yeah, yeah this, this is a tough gig, man. Also, ignorance is bliss. Those guys are like, hell yeah, another day in the office. I'm like, oh, you're stupid. <laughs> but you did, kept, you kept going back to the well. Didn't have options. Yeah. 
As soon as I as soon as I saw that crack open for podcasts and comedy, I was yeah. like, see ya. And it is interesting for a lot of football players because the dream can end quickly, man. Like all of a sudden you don't make the NFL and it's just hard to like build yourself back up. And that can be a tough transition. Like John Volante thought without a shadow of a fucking doubt that he was gonna be in the NFL. Oh me too. I thought it was gonna be Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, and then you got the I wish you kinda then had I get, me too. <laughs> yeah, then I got to the Buffalo Bills like, excuse me? No, we're all set on slow white guys. I was like <laughs> Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I'm going to get my shit and go. Like, yeah, thank you. Oh, you've worked 20 years? It's been your dream yeah. since you were a kid? I'm like, yeah. yeah, like, we don't give a shit. Here's a hat. I'm like, thank you, thank you. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, dude. Man. Heartbreaking. That's interesting to Pro hear sports. you recollect. Yeah. Yeah. But, so, uh, do, yeah. You have, do you root for the Bills because of that experience or no? Um, I feel like it's kind of cheesy to root for them because I literally I played as many games for the Bills as you did. But I did go to camp with them, yeah. you know, but... Um, they invited you to camp. Bro. They did, and at one point they were selling my jersey, which is interesting, but... Um, That's cool. I yeah. mean, I would rock... I'm a Patriots fan. I would wear a fucking shawl. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Days. Give me royalties on that. But, um, uh, and it was way after the fact. It's like five years ago. But, um, yeah, I root, there's something weird I root for him. Yeah, yeah, I don't, obviously, yeah, I don't hold any right. resentment yeah, against right. him. Yeah, no, I, I get it. But uh, before you go, dude, so for every guest, I'm a sneakerhead. You know this. I you wore the this. Rodriguez because yep. of that. So um, my boys at Suplex in Philly, East Coast uh, yes. crew, I always they, they supply all the shoes for the guys, and I always pick out a shoe. And that's why I ask you a shoe size. And they're like, oh, should we send this? Then? I'm like, no, dude, he, you're talking about a legend. we got to give him oh. a legendary shoe. So to me, this is the, the best silhouette of all time. Bro. It's a legend shoe for a legend. Dude. These are for you, my man. Thank you, my brother. Yes. I'm so well, excited. See what they are first if you like. Them I mean, I'd be lying if I said I flew out here just for, for, the, for the shoes. But it's oh. kind of, yeah. Yeah, That's I mean, how could you not? Steal yeah, and I didn't want to do too flashy. I don't want to do like. Oh, and the pink laces are going in, bro. Yeah, you got to do pink laces. Dude. See, I was gonna put those in, daddy. Thank you, bro. And see what they said. I mean, these are right up my alley. And when you see me, they're emceeing, not too. They're not too crazy. So you could wear them that fit. You're like fly as shit. When you see me emceeing the weigh-in and Rio you're gonna Janeiro, rock those. I'll be wearing. And we're gonna post a picture. Team like, fucking shop, man. So this says, Mr. Anik, first and foremost, huge fans here at Suplex Sneakers. Please wear and enjoy these Jordan ones. We had to lace the goat with some sneakers. They called you the goat wow. for some sneaks from the goat. Uh, if you're ever in Philly, stop by and see us on South Street, Suplex. Thank you. Unbelievable. Thank the you, boys. Suplex. Thank you, guys. I'm going to come see you in Philadelphia, man. Thank you for having me out. I know we've been it's trying been to do this It's been a hot second, dude. You're time. the busiest man in sports, so, you know, we finally got it done. I, I love you, man. It, man. Keep I crushing it. Thank Keep you, doing buddy. Thanks for work. having me, and you do the same, man. Keep the empire going. I'm trying. I'm, ex I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. John Anik, everybody.